Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chapter 13 of The Mystery of the Chinese Ring by Andy Adams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13. The First Clue. Jack Hudson looked up from his desk as Muscles, the powerful mechanic, came in. For a few moments, the two men stared at one another, saying nothing. Muscles, hands on hips, broad shoulders squared, chest thrust out, looked like an angry bull about to charge. OK, Muscles, let's have it, Jack said. About those kids, what are we going to do? I wish I knew. We've got to do something. You're darn tooting we have, Muscles bellowed. I'm sick and tired of just sitting around here waiting. We got to act. Take it easy, Muscles. I've been thinking about it as much as you have. Now look, Jack, Charlie Keane's been gone almost a month. The kid's nearly two weeks. I know, I know, but what can we do? You know what it means to go in after them. You think you know where they are? Jack nodded his head. I've got a pretty good idea where the boys are heading. I just hope Charlie's in the same general area. I just hope they're not all scattered over the face of China. What bugs me most is Biff being spotted by now. An American kid among all those Chinese. Bound to be. I don't think so, Muscles. Biff and Chuba worked out a disguise that made Biff look more like a Chinese than Chuba does. Biff not only fooled me, but fooled T. Peo as well. He fooled Chuba's father. That's really something. Jack nodded his head. Yeah, both of those kids are plenty smart. I think they'll make it in. They might even get a line on Charlie's whereabouts. But getting back out, Jack shook his head soberly. That's where we get into the act, Muscles said quickly. Look, I got the Cessna tuned up, so she's purring like a kitten. Extra fuel tanks installed. We can go in, pick up Charlie and the kids. If we could find them. We can find them. Look, here's my idea. We go in together at night. You drop me. I locate Charlie and the kids. Then I make a signal on the shortwave transmitter. And bang, you come, pick us up, and all's well. Jack didn't answer at once. He was considering Muscle's idea. You make it sound so easy, but I don't know. Give me a little time to think it over. We can take off at dusk tonight. I haven't said we would yet, Muscles. I'll let you know. Muscles glowed at Jack and pounded one huge fist into the palm of his other ham-like hand. Biff didn't hesitate. This was real trouble. 
If he didn't get to his friend at once, Chuba might go under for good. Finding him beneath the surface of the muddy river would be impossible. Biff's body split the air as he dived towards the sinking Chuba. Powerful strokes of his arms pulled Biff swiftly through the water. He reached Chuba. Take it easy, take it easy, Chuba. I've got you. You'll be all right. Don't fight me. Biff crooked his left arm around Chuba's neck. Just lie on your back, Chuba. I'll do the rest. At Biff's word, Chuba stopped thrashing. He forced himself to relax, buoyed both in body and spirit by the firmness of Biff's arm. Slowly, with a one-armed backstroke, Biff towed the native boy towards the shore. The current slackened below the falls, making Biff's task possible. Foot by foot, Biff propelled himself and Chuba towards the river bank. At long last, he felt one of his kicking feet touch bottom. Okay, Chuba, I think you can stand up here. Try it. Chuba's feet touched bottom. The two boys staggered through the shallow water to safety. Chuba stretched out on the bank, gasping and trembling. You saved my life, Biff. How can Chuba ever thank you? Skip the thanks, Chuba. You've done plenty for me, and I know you'll do plenty more. But how come you never learned to swim? Not many Chinese boys swim. Not in rivers where I grew up. Crocodiles. I get it. Too dangerous. Chuba nodded his head. Look, Chuba, you rest here. I've got to get the boat. All our supplies are in it. Biff jumped up and ran along the bank downstream. The boat was drifting slowly, lazily towards the bank. Biff plunged back into the water. He reached the boat, pulled himself in over the side and rowed to shore. Chuba had moved down the bank and waded out to grab the boat's bow. He pulled it up on the bank. Half an hour later, the boys re-embarked. For the rest of the day, they travelled in smooth water. By dark, they reached Sun Hyango, last stop of their river voyage. From Sun Hyango, they headed northwest toward the foothills of Mount Minyakonka, west of Chunking and Chengchu. Once clear of the river city, the boys moved along a dirt road until weariness overtook them. Off the road, they built a small fire, ate a mixture of flour and rice Chuba dreamed up, and then slept. In the morning, Chuba inspected Biff carefully. What's the matter, Biff demanded. You almost American boy again. More like fish called carp, though. All streaky. What do you mean? Your swim's in river. Make betel juice fade. You look at self. We got make you Chinese beggar boy again. Chuba took out his bottle of juice and smeared Biff's body and face. Now, all good again. We move out. And up, Biff said, looking towards the mountains. By late afternoon, Biff and Chuba reached a town in the foothills. They had been climbing steadily all day. Several times Biff had to swallow to clear the pressure in his ears, brought on by the higher altitude. You have some money, Biff? Chuba asked. Yep, got a bunch of Burmese rupees. Can you spend them in China? Spend them like you say, like water. Rupees much good, better than Chinese money. Chinese money now called Jin Min Pio takes many gins to make one rupee. Biff dug into his bundle and brought out several coins. This enough? It's plenty. We go into town to market. Chuba buys some food. You like dried fish? Lychee nuts, good too. Ugh, I'd rather have a hot dog. Ah, hot dog, Chuba nodded wisely. Muscles tell me in America you eat the dogs, but like them hot. Buy them millions, Chuba, especially at baseball games but not the kind that bark. Not real dogs? No, 
These are the sort like a sausage, shaped like sausage. You know sausage? Jabba nodded his head. Oh, sure, stuffed with rice, shark fins, and sesame seeds is real tasty. Biff shrugged. Might as well give up. Chuba will just have to eat a genuine frankfurter some day. The boys walked on to the edge of the town. Biff stopped before they passed through the gate. Hold it a minute, Chuba. Something I want to ask you. Biff had decided to make the first move toward locating his Uncle Charlie. He considered showing Chuba the green ring. Should he do so now or hold on to it for an ace in the hole, for a time when the ring might be the means of getting them out of a really tough jam? He'd wait. What you want to ask Chuba? I want to know if you ever heard of a big and well-known Chinese family. It was called the House of Quang. Biff studied the native boy's face. Sure, Chuba hear about them. Once they rich, big rich, own many, many acres for wheat fields, many, many acres for rice. They own big grain sheds where other people bring wheat and rice to sell them for to store it. But now no more rice not rich and powerful any more. Revolution and new government get rid of all big landowners. Did the House of Quang have any property, any acres round here? No own acres here, but once they own big warehouse, like I say, for to buy and sell wheat and rice and all kinds of clothes and things. Here in this town, Chuba nodded his head. Well, look, Chuba, I think maybe my Uncle Charlie came into this part of China because of something he had to do with the House of Quang. I don't know exactly what. Do you think any members of that family would be around here? Chuba thought about Biff's question. I don't know, Biff, but can find out. Although family no longer strong and rich, Chuba has heard they still stick close together, help each other out. If one member of the family get in bad with government bosses, Others get him out if he put in prison. Okay, that's what I wanted to know from you. When we get to the market, think you could ask some questions without giving us away? I mean, without letting the people you ask know that we're in here looking for Uncle Charlie. Think so, Biff. I ask if anyone hear about Big Bird, American bird with much roaring noise. Lots of people in this part of China still call airplane Big Bird. If you find anyone who seems to have the kind of information we're looking for, see if there's any talk about a plane cracking up around here. I feel sure Uncle Charlie would have come back long ago if it weren't something wrong with his plane. You trust Chuba, Biff. He find out everything's. The boys passed the gate of the wall town. This town was the largest one they had yet gone through. The dirty streets again were filled with people milling back and forth. Children stared at them wide-eyed and curious. Dogs darted in and out, looking for scraps of food. Pigs roamed the streets, paying no more attention to the people than the people did to them. Biff could tell they were nearing the marketplace. His nose knew. Inside the market, an open-air market filling one long block, the boys passed booths selling everything from hot soups to shiny silks. Strings of garlic hung on racks in all the food booths. The Chinese chew garlic the way Americans chew gum. Small cakes made of chopped vegetables and fruits were piled high on trays. There were fried peanuts and sugar-covered orange peels. 
Strings of dried fish swung in the air. Smoked ducks were suspended by their necks from long, slender bamboo rods. Chuba made several purchases. Biff, having to remain silent, was unable to protest against some of the food Chuba added to his cloth sack. But he knew he'd have to be mighty hungry to eat them. At one booth where Chuba made several purchases, the native boy had a long talk with the owner. During the conversation, Chuba once extended his arms straight from his sides and gave out a sound like an airplane engine, an engine that spluttered. The Chinese only shook his head. The boys walked along. I think he knows something, but no tell me, Chuba said quietly. When first I ask about Big Bird, a look on his face tell me he has heard of something, but when I ask more and become airplane myself, he says no, he hear of nothing. I ask more people. Biff tagged along, silent, watchful, amazed at many of the strange things sold in the market. He saw a goose egg and watched the shopper haggle with the owner over its price. Later, Chuba told him the egg was four years old and uncooked. Most delicious, Chuba said. Biff shuddered. Every store sold dried watermelon seeds. Chuba bought some, gave a handful to Biff. Biff chewed on them, but found little taste to the small morsel inside the shell. It had become dark. Flares lighted the marketplace. Chuba turned to Biff, a discouraged look on his face. Buying things fine. Finding out about Sahib Charlie not fine. Chuba learned nothing. The boys retraced their steps back to the city gates. Again, they were going to sleep in the open. Biff much preferred this to sleeping on the floor of an airless room. Just as they passed through the gate, a figure came out of the shadows. He touched Chuba on the arm, and in a hissing whisper spoke into the boy's ear. Man, say for me to come back with him. Maybe can help me. Say I must come alone. You stay right here, Biff. Chuba be all right. Be back quick. Chuba and the stranger headed back toward the market. But Chuba didn't come back quickly. The minute seemed to drag along. Biff was becoming worried. He had just about made up his mind to seek Chuba out when he saw his friend running towards him. Chuba was breathless, more from excitement than from his short run. Chuba has news, big news. Man takes me back to another fellow. This other fellow much wise. Say he hear big American plane make force landing, near mountains, maybe fifty miles from here. Did he tell you how long ago, Chuba? Chuba nodded his head up and down rapidly. He say maybe three, maybe four weeks ago. Hey, that is good news. That could be Uncle Charlie. Did he know what happened to the pilot? Was he hurt? I asked that, but fellow say he don't know. Biff was thoughtful for a few moments. It's a good lead, Chuba. You know which way to go? Sure. Fellow tell Chuba. Seems to me this fellow told you a lot. I wonder why, particularly since no one else seemed to know what you were talking about. I don't know, Biff. Fellow very nice, but funny-looking fellow. What do you mean, funny-looking? One eye closed like door. No see out of it. Fellow have only one good eye. Biff's thoughts raced back to the Chinese passenger on the plane from Indianapolis to Chicago. A Chinese with a drooping eyelid. End of chapter 13, The First Clue